Hey everybody, welcome back to the Less Doing Podcast. This is episode 64. How you doing, Aaron? Doing great, Ari. How are you? I'm good. I'm really good. It's been a, a crazy few days, a lot of travel. Yeah, I heard that you were speaking um, and you were doing a lot of traveling. How have you been hacking your travel? Yeah, so I was. I spoke on Wednesday at the Fortune Leadership Summit down in Orlando, and then on Friday I spoke at a uh, a private talk for a bunch of financial advisors in San Francisco, and I came home in between. So on Wednesday I was in Orlando for six hours, and on Friday I was in San Francisco for ten hours. So okay. a lot of traveling. Um, I got to come home in between, which was good, and I normally do a bunch of stuff for travel and honestly a lot of times it doesn't work i almost always get like a sore throat or something when i travel and i was really concerned about that and this time i did uh, a whole bunch of stuff so i did uh colostrum so goat colostrum that's capra colostrum i did okay. some uh oil of oregano which is a really great antibacterial but this time also so i i've talked before about nutrients we've had uh uh, the Colton's on the show before nutrients is that awesome multivitamin. I don't take right. it every day. I don't, I don't take anything every day, but, um, I, I, I decided to take that for uh, almost a week leading up to the trip and on the trip itself. And then I also did one other thing, which is there's this company, this new company called Aloha and they okay. make a freeze dried green juice packet. And honestly, I'm not a huge fan of green juices per se, because a lot of times they have a lot of fillers or they have sugar or it, it's really, not something particularly healthy okay. but these this one is really good and it's actually it's pretty legit what i like about it is that it it uh, essentially has like six ingredients in it and three of them are mushrooms which i thought was really cool so um, i'm just trying to pull this out the ingredients for you so i can tell you about this so but basically i was including this in that sort of regimen i had three of these a day okay so it's okay. got spirulina spinach moringa uh, green pea, wheatgrass, wild blueberries, organic raspberries, uh, coconut water. And again, this is freeze dried mm -hmm. lemon, trumpet mushrooms, enoki mushrooms, oyster mushrooms, ginger, and some sea salt. So it's great. It was really, it, it doesn't taste like much. It's got, you know, sort of that greenish flavor, but I had three of those a day while I was traveling. And in the morning and the night, I would mix those in the water with the nutrients and, mm -hmm. I felt great. I really did. And, and here I am a few days later, no problem. So it, it was um, it's kind of a shock, actually, because I didn't get very like much a... sleep. I wasn't very comfortable on the flights and and I was expecting something to like kind of mess with me. How about like jet lag or anything like that? Do, do this, taking those nutrients help with that? So the, the, on the way to Orlando, obviously there was no issue, but with my, with going to San Francisco, I was there for such a short amount of time and I got, basically I slept and ate on a schedule that would be as if I was home. Okay. So I had breakfast at nine o'clock in the morning there, you know, and I normally eat after 12. So that worked really well. And I slept, I got there at one in the morning and I slept for four hours, I think. Okay. And not that I normally get up at eight in the morning, but it's, it's still sort of like a normal time to get up in the East coast, you know? So I, I kind of stuck to that. So I'd almost would, would prefer to get less sleep, but sort of stay on my clock okay. and uh, no issues. So, that worked out pretty well. Very cool. And yeah. do you do anything specific like when you go to your hotel uh, as far as, you know, getting a comfortable bed or anything? How do you ensure that? So, again, you know, in this case, particularly, I was there for such a short amount of time. Like I was literally in the room for five hours total. Okay. Uh, it, it almost doesn't matter that much. 
I I can sleep anywhere. I'm kind of lucky like that. I could I could sleep. I could probably fall asleep like sitting up doing a podcast if I wasn't really interested. <laughs> okay. um, I've always been good about that. And like if you give me 10 minutes, I can get seven minutes of sleep. So um, no, there's nothing particular there. I would just say that the heart rate variability stuff, which I do do sort of a regular basis with stress doctor, that I think helps and it sort of just sort of like resets you a little bit. But I also have to say, you know, have you traveled yet with your little one? Uh, you know, we were just out in Montana uh, on a road trip last week, and uh, you know, it was only an hour difference, but it, it set her off a little bit. But no, but not an air, no air travel, right? No. Okay, so <laughs> once you've traveled with kids, even if you got it sort of down, mm-hmm. traveling by yourself with no bags is like the most wonderful experience ever. I, I'm literally <laughs> walking to the airport, being like, "What? Why do people complain about air travel? This is great!" And you know, it's like it was so easy. So. Uh, I think that helped as well. But gotcha. uh, so interestingly enough, or not, I mean, uh, traveling is stressful, of course. And as we know, chronic stress sort of increases cortisol. So I have, for the first time ever, I'm going to be doing this. I don't know if people can, if you're looking, you'll be able to see this. Hold on. Let me see. I can make this look better. So this okay. is a salivary hormone test for the, okay. and for those listening. So this is where you're basically spitting in vials of uh, plastic vials throughout the day to measure your cortisol levels. And I'm just curious, you know, because one of the things that's weird about hormone testing is a lot of people don't think to do it, especially when they're feeling good. And the problem is, is that a lot of hormones do make you feel good, but it could also be a sign of overuse and therefore sort of lead to a crash. So cortisol particularly is your stress hormone. It gets you going in the morning. It's like energetic, but you overuse that, you're going to sort of run out. So I, I, I want to get it tested mostly because I've never done it before, but also because I've just been doing a lot lately. So yeah, that's uh, that's something I'm looking forward to, to finding so out about. So where do you go to get that test and how much does it cost? So this is the cheapest one that I found and it's from Alcat, which is known for their food sensitivity testing, which is a test that I don't particularly put a lot of faith in. But uh, for this one, it's pretty straightforward. They're basically, you know, saliva and they're checking cortisol levels. So uh, this one was, I think, like 120 bucks, which is which is really cheap for this kind of test. You can see them as high as three or four hundred. And um, for a basic hormone test, the salivary is actually really good. They've, they've done te- you can test testosterone, you can do cortisol, estrogen, you can get a lot of that from salivary testing and you can do it at home and you mail it in, which is nice. Yeah. So, so did uh, you yeah. find out about that when you had lunch with Dave Asprey? <laughs> no. Okay. So yeah. So I had lunch with Dave yesterday, which was awesome. Uh, Dave was such a nice guy. I mean, I, I wasn't surprised, but he was really genuine, really, really fun to talk to. Of course, we had a lot in common to talk about. But mm-hmm. we ate at this restaurant in the city in New York called Bear Burger, which is known. I picked it because I figured it might be hard to find a restaurant that would be acceptable for him. And uh, right. it's all grass-fed beef and organic and sustainable and uh, pastured eggs. It, it's like it's legit. So we both had a double burger with two thick-cut slices of bacon on top and two <laughs> avocados on top. Mm. And uh, it was amazing and delicious. But the best <laughs> part was that he we, he we sat down, we start or we, we started eating, and he pulled out a big stick of Kerrygold butter <laughs> and took a big swath of it and put it on the burger. And I was like, sure, you know, I I love butter too. Why not? So I took it and we looked over, and this guy next to us was like wide eyed looking at us, and we both <laughs> said at the same time, we're like, didn't have enough fat on it. Yeah, and awesome. I just thought that was hysterical. So uh, it was great. It was cool. a really, really good meal. And um, 
there's uh there might be some cool collaborations in the future which uh i'll talk about at a later time but uh it was it was really really fun having uh having lunch with dave so that was cool but no i didn't learn about the cortisol then it's actually something i've been wanting to do for a while i'm actually due to do some blood testing but it's just been hard to coordinate it with uh with my current schedule so i figured i'll do this test in the meantime but speaking of testing so there's this new device coming out called the q did you have a chance to look at that I haven't checked that out yet. Okay, so we're going to link this in the show notes, and I'm, I'm hoping to have one of the founders on for this. But the Q is like a little box that sits on your desk, and essentially you can do a lot or a very frequent blood testing. But but think of it like like a glucose monitor, like somebody would test their blood sugar, okay. except you can use this to test for uh, inflammation, fertility, testosterone, uh, vitamin D, and even for the flu. So wow. it's basically, they're calling it a deep health tracker. Um, but for inflammation, it's particularly interesting, obviously, to me for a number of reasons. But even as an athlete, it would be really great to see on a, on a detailed level, like, oh, I did this workout, I did this resistance training, and now this is what my inflammation is like, or my testosterone, or, or after I have this big fatty meal, like this is what the testosterone looks like. So this is taking personal testing to a very, very new level. So I'm pretty excited to not only see the device, but but talk to the founder. So I hope that we have them on in the future. Very cool. Well, Ari, I just wanted to share with you, we've got a couple of reviews on uh, iTunes and yeah. Amazon, and I wanted to share with people, go ahead if you like the show and uh, you know leave us a review on iTunes. And then uh, if you liked Ari's book, go to Amazon. That'd be great. But uh, one of the reviews from iTunes says, Ari's book, blog, and podcast have changed my life. I'm obsessed in a healthy and not creepy way. I've implemented so many of Ari's tips and suggestions, and now my days are more productive, more efficient, and most importantly, more fun. Thank you, Ari. Keep up the great work. Well, that's awesome, and thank you for that. And, and you know, if you if you get in touch with us uh, and tell us about that review, you, you can get your uh, free Less Doing t-shirt thanks to Zazzle. So. Awesome. You know, we've got a couple of Facebook questions as well. The first one is from Mike, and he says, the U-bars are great. Uh, he says, thanks thanks for that. What are some good sleep trackers? I've heard that Wythings is coming out with a new one that looks kind of cool. Do you have any good recommendations? So the what, what, what was the company that you heard was coming out I think out with it, it? Is, is it Wythings or Withings? Oh, Withings, yeah, yeah. Okay. So there are a number of sleep trackers that you can use. Uh, the the problem with the ones like the Withings and uh, there's there's several that are wrist wrist based. Okay. Um, I find that they're it's not that they're inaccurate. It's that they they um, they get annoying for a lot of people. Like a lot of people end up not like not liking them. And if you're if you're like a, a not a heavy sleeper, you might scratch at it at night or like just it, it, the it depends on who you are basically. So mm-hmm. if you're if you're totally cool with having things strapped to you at night or if you're used to like sleeping with a watch on, for instance, then it's really not a problem. Uh, mm. But I actually – I think that there's some better things. So there is the Sleep Cycle app, which goes on the iPhone, which okay. – and there's one called Sleep Bot, I think, which is the same kind of thing, but it's for Android. And they're they're very, very similar. But basically, you put your phone on the corner of your bed by your head and you know you want to put it in airplane mode so it's not transmitting all night through your head but basically it's using the accelerometer to track movement and i like it because it's not attached to you it's it's so it's sensing real movement in a way that you know it's not just like you're flailing your hand or something necessarily it's getting full-on movement and it will give you a very accurate picture into how well you slept and what your sleep cycle looks like the problem of course 
is if you have anybody sleeping in the bed with you or a dog, it can throw it off. But you'll know that. You'll you'll see some blips in it that just don't make sense if that's the case. So that's okay. really easy and it's like two bucks. That's a, that's really, really easy to do. If you want a device, the Bedit would be the one that I would recommend. Okay. So the Bedit is a strap, basically. It kind of looks like a heart rate monitor, but it goes under your sheet. So you don't have oh. to wear anything, but you are in contact with it. You're lying on top of it. And it will okay. actually get your heart rate, your breathing, snoring, the environment. Uh, it's, it's probably, in my opinion, the most advanced one that I've seen so far. Uh, yeah. and it's really cool. You don't have to think about it. You know, the best way to do this quantified self for anything is if you don't have to think about it. So mm-hmm. it's again, it's going to measure your resting heart rate, your snoring, your how many times you wake up, how long it takes you to fall asleep, and then it'll actually show you ways to improve on your sleep. So as far as a device, I would go with the Bedit. Okay, cool. Um, and that is that pretty expensive. That sounds pretty advanced. Uh, how much is that going to run? Do you know? Um, I think they are, uh, I'm actually going to look right now. I believe okay. they are something like $199. But if you, I mean, if you look at trackers in general, like that's actually not that bad. Yeah, that's not um, bad. So, okay. 144, 144. Nice. All right. Well, our next question is about selling stuff on eBay. You know, I've sold some stuff on eBay and sometimes it gets has- gets to be a hassle shipping stuff out and printing labels. So do you know of any ways that you can outsource that task? Yeah, so this is there's two ways to do this. So it, it depends on how much stuff you have. But if you have like I don't know, if you have like a, like a small room of stuff or like a closet of stuff, then mm-hmm. I would say take a picture of everything. Just go quick, like picture, 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 and send mm-hmm. all. And you know, maybe maybe give a sort of basic description. But you essentially could send that off to a fancy hands or a time saver assistant and just say list this stuff. Um, what I used to do is I would take pictures of things and i would have sort i would have this process already defined but okay. i would say uh list it for 75 percent of whatever retail value is or something you know if it was new so like i had like a mm. sort of a formula worked out there so that's if you have you know like a small closet where the stuff maybe and you just need to get rid of that that's probably the easiest way to do it and then they could they could put it on ebay they could put it on craigslist they can put it on uh uh, all sorts of local listing sites. And if you're in the mood and you really need to get rid of it, freecycle.org is a wonderful community of people who give away and get things for free. Okay. And yes, it's for free. You're not making money, but it's it's almost better than donating in some ways because every time I've used FreeCycle, the person who's come to get whatever the thing was had such, like a great story about why they needed it or why they wanted it. And it, it was it was really cool. So mm. um that's that's one way. If you want to have someone come in and do it, depends on where you live, of course, but you could get a task rabbit to do this. This is a very, very common thing for task rabbits to do where they will come in and they will do it all for you on site. So they will take good wow. pictures of everything, they'll describe it, they'll do the research, they'll figure out how much it's going to be, and they'll list it for you. The last option, and this exists almost everywhere, is that there are eBay power sellers right there no it's uh basically like ebay consignment stores have you ever seen the 40 year old virgin and there's that consignment store for ebay yeah that that, that exists actually so okay you can go on ebay and what i'm the name is escaping me but we'll put the link in the show notes and okay. there are people who basically will they'll either pick it up for you or that or you can drop it off at their place and they do all of the listing they photograph it professionally they do like all the keywords, they will probably get you a better price than you could yourself because they know how to, you know, sort of market things. And then they take a percentage basically. Okay. 
Cool. So those are your options. Okay. So um, that's, that's it for the questions, right? That's it. Yeah, okay. but you've also been sharing a lot of recipes on IFTT this week. Um, something called Weekly Digest. Um, yeah. Is that something just for yourself to use, or can other people s- subscribe to that? So the, okay, so this is what I, I wanted to actually make this sort of announcement for people. So last week, I, I told everyone we're going to stop doing the interesting things of the week post, and we're just going to talk about them, you know, between us. But uh, you could still follow along. We said this, you know, you could still follow along by following Twitter hashtags and whatnot during the week if you really wanted to get it up to date. So, however, IFTTT has this new channel, which is so cool. It's their weekly digest or their daily digest. And what it is is that you can have things feed into it. So, you know, whereas before you might have had a setup where it was like uh, every time someone mentions me on Twitter, send me send, send me a, a, you know, a notification. But now mm-hmm. you can say anytime someone mentions me on Twitter, add it to the daily digest. And then you get one email at the end of the day with sort of the list of everything. Mm-hmm. Okay, which is really cool. So basically, what I'm doing is it, all of my Instagram stuff, my interesting links of the week from Delicious, my book club stuff. That's all going to a daily digest, which I get on Monday morning, so that I can review everything before you and I talk. But okay. I've shared the recipes so that anybody can get that as well. So if you go in the show notes and you click on any of these IFTTT recipes and activate them for yourself. You will also get an email with all of my links once a week, the stuff that I find interesting. So it's sort of like a replacement for the blog post itself if you'd rather get it in that format. And just so you know, you're not signing up for my newsletter if you do that. Of course, I would love if you did, but I'm not getting your email address from this. This is just for your information if you want to have it. Oh, very cool. Very cool. Um, you know, something that, that's been in the news a lot lately, or at least in the ancestral health community, is resistant starch. Yeah. Um, is this something that you've used to help heal your gut at all? So I have, and I didn't realize it, actually, at the time. So I have, I'm like <laughs> weird about uh, old food, not old food, but like food that started to like get overripe. So mm-hmm. I actually like green bananas. And a lot of times I will put green bananas in my smoothies. And green bananas are much less sweet because they haven't sort of converted into sugar and it's a resistant starch because it is high it's basically high source of resistant starch because it's not broken down yet so it's a little harder to digest and the whole thinking behind resistant starch and it's it's something that the paleo community has embraced and a lot of health people have embraced is that resistant starch is hard to digest which means that it basically ferments a little bit in your gut and it can promote really good gut bacteria Mm that will feed on that fermented food source. So uh, it's supposed to be really good at helping to balance your gut biome. If you overdo it, it can lead to a lot of the sort of GI upset that people expect, like diarrhea or bloating or gas, which Mm -hmm. sort of makes sense. So you kind of have to feel it out. The the best, most talked about resistant starch is potato starch because it's like 80% resistant starch you're basically talking about like an uncooked potato Mm -hmm. but you can get green plantain flour you can use green bananas which again i think is the easiest thing so when i oddly enough whenever i go to the supermarket you go to the banana like the fruit section and the bananas are all really yellow and ready to go and you take them home and they're they're like overripe in a day but the organic section you get them in these bunches that are totally green i don't know why they do that but so i always get the organic bananas the green they're not particularly palatable honestly because they're, they're kind of like they're starchy basically right. they're not very sweet they're a little sweet so i like that so i put those in my smoothies and uh and blend them up and that that works really well so i'm not sure if that's had an effect but it's something that i've always put in my smoothies was a green 
bananas. So I think it's something worth exploring. If you're having gut issues and you don't want to experiment too much with probiotics or this stuff, you can try resistant starch and see what it does for you. But I would say give it three to five days, uh, okay. regardless of what happens to kind of see what the effect is. Okay. Um, um, and then the other thing I wanted to mention uh, as far as along those lines was the uh, I'm sorry, not along those lines, but along the we got a question a couple weeks ago about business structures. Remember from uh, mm-hmm. someone named Ben and uh, lawkick.com is a website that I had meaning I meant to mention back then. But uh, Lawkick okay. and Up Council, those are two that I want to put in there that okay. are basically Elance for lawyers. So you essentially put the project out there that you need done for free and then okay. various lawyers will bid on it. So it's really you get really good lawyers that have been vetted and know what they're doing at mm-hmm. very good prices, regardless of what it is, whether you need a contract reviewed, a corporate structure created, anything you want. You kind of post that and then they will get it done for you. Very cool. You know, you've been uh, posting some great pictures on Instagram of some different recipes that you've had up. But uh, one I found interesting was a link that you put to a roasted leg of lamb from the domestic man. And he's got some great recipes up there. Have you tried this yet? So I have not tried his recipe. We So I love lamb. Do, do you like lamb? Yeah. Okay. I love good. lamb. Mm-hmm. I think it's like the greatest meat ever. Um, and that makes sense probably because I really like Mediterranean food and Middle Eastern food. So it's kind of like a staple. But uh, no, and this is a great recipe. It's really simple. And I feel like in some ways maybe I have done this because it is so simple. But it's leg of lamb, garlic, kosher salt, black pepper, rosemary, thyme, and olive oil. Like mm-hmm. really simple. And mm-hmm. uh, you don't need a grill to do it, although I would do this on the grill personally. And I love this guy's website because he just like cooks really good real food. Um, right. So, yeah, I, it, if you've never gotten into lamb, I would recommend trying a roasted leg of lamb because it's really, really easy. You literally just kind of put it in the thing with all the ingredients and put it in the oven and walk away for two hours. Nice. I love nice. Lamb. Yeah. And uh, the domestic man, I've actually spoken with him and he uh, yeah. had recovered from some pretty serious inflammation. Yeah. Um, he like, had cool. you had inflammation of the gut. He had inflammation of his arteries. And by following a, a low inflammation paleo style diet, he was able to overcome it. So if you're dealing with inflammation, it's a great place to go for recipes. Awesome. That's really cool. I, it's, it's really fun seeing sort of where people's health journeys take them. And it's always nice when it leads to really yummy recipes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ari, you posted a link to a great uh, photo app for iPhone and it's called v, v Photo, And it basically takes videos that you have on your phone and it'll take some of the best pictures from that video um, or, and, and take still images from that video. And I just thought that was really cool. Have Did you, you had a chance it? to? I haven't used it much yet, but I'm definitely going to get around to it today. So it's, this is, it's called, I think it's like Voto, but um, okay. we'll link to it, of course. And it's great, especially if you have kids. So uh, it's always like hard to get that right moment. Or if you're doing sports mm-hmm. picture stuff, basically you just take a video and then it analyzes the video and pulls out. I mean, like in a 30-second video, it'll get 10 photos. And basically, it's pulling out images that are in focus and, you know, well-balanced or whatever. And it's really great. And then you can just save those pictures. So rather than trying to get just that perfect moment, you just take a video and then it will pull it out for you, which I thought was really cool. Nice, nice. There were a couple other ones that you thought were interesting, I'd say. Yeah, um, Mercola had a a pretty interesting link. Of course, he's talking about uh, whether 
uh, cholesterol causes heart disease and things like that. But he pointed out that things like vitamin D, vitamin K2, magnesium, and potassium are pretty important to make sure that cholesterol doesn't get, um, I guess, embedded in your arteries and kind of stays where it needs to be. So um, that's always it's always fun to see more things about how fat, uh, its role in the body. And um, he also mentioned that oxidized fats are really the fats you want to avoid, not necessarily fat in general, but just the bad trans fats and the, the I think the omega-6 fats he mentioned as well. Yeah, so that's something that we sort of mentioned last time about how if a, if a fat is solid at room temperature, then it's more stable. And of course, it's mm-hmm. a saturated fat. But if it's liquid at room temperature and you heat it too much, then it's going to oxidize and it, or become rancid, actually. And then you're dealing with like a weapon, basically a weaponized form of, uh, of fat. So yeah, that's, that's, that it, it's always good to see more information on that, but yeah, you, you don't want to oxidize your fats. That's for sure. Yeah. He mentioned that K2 was really important to make sure that your arteries uh, stay healthy. Do you use K2 or do you get that from foods? So yeah, K2 is an interesting one. So the, the, the best, one of the best sources of vitamin K2 is Gouda cheese, believe it or not. So I I love just oddly enough it happens to be my my favorite cheese. Uh, so, but of course I don't eat gouda every single day. That would be kind of weird. Um, <laughs> actually, it wouldn't be weird. It'd be wonderful, but it would be a little hard to pull off because it's pretty uh, it's very dense. But so uh, K two is really important for calcium and for uh, vitamin D and all these other vitamins that have to happen. It's sort of like a it's a a, a co nutrient in a way that helps all these things process properly. Mm-hmm. But the the one of the best sources, actually the best source of vitamin K is natto, which is uh, it's a fermented sort of gel bacteria thing that's very common in Japanese food. And um, have you ever tried natto? I haven't. I've heard it. It can be pretty bad. Yeah. So some people love it. Um, I do not. I've tried it twice. It kind of smells like pee. Um, it's got okay. like, this ammonia smell to it and it's very like gummy it's almost like it's like eating a spider web that's the best thing that i could, could describe it as so okay uh yeah i get my vitamin k2 from gouda and from the nutrients uh multivitamin that i love so much which has vitamin k1 2 and 7 i think in it so oh that's great nice yeah you know another interesting link that you put up was about resistance training and how it can ward off depression you know for a long time we thought only aerobic exercise wards off depression but resistance training helps as well yeah and that sort of makes sense because of the hormonal response that that happens when you do resistance training you know like we talked about how the squat it makes you basically testosterone and cortisol go up because it's like a defensive position and resistance training will actually in some ways help balance your hormones of course if you go too far then you're going to cause fatigue but generally speaking yeah that resistance training really does produce that sort of bounce back from your system so they have shown that it is really effective in fighting depression there's also a lot of studies about the difference that resistance training has on men versus women which uh, i'm not going to get into now but it's it's actually pretty detailed maybe we can talk about that next time Sounds good. Um, so yeah, there's one more I think that. Uh, oh well, no, this wasn't. I didn't plan on mentioning this actually, but I'm. Okay. It's tick season right now, uh, and mm-hmm. and it's a particularly bad tick season. So if you live in the Northeast, be very careful. And you know, Lyme disease is obviously a horrible thing. So I'm really actually interested. I'm going to be trying this out, which is uh, called 
the bug stick, and it's made locally, which is what I'm really excited about. And it's all essential oils, and it's supposed to keep away all sorts of bugs and ticks particularly. So I'm going to try this on myself and the kids, and I will nice. report back. But it's it's fun to see something like this made right down the street from me, basically. Oh, very cool. So anyway, today's interview is with Chris Dancy, who is yes. the world's most connected man, and that is on a technological level. And Chris was such an awesome interview. And one of the most groundbreaking things I think that came out of that was uh, how he deals with toxic people. So I hope everybody enjoys <laughs> this interview and we'll, uh, we'll be back next week. Awesome. Great talking with you, Ari. So my guest today is Chris Dancy, who has been called by many outlets the world's most connected man, uh, technologically speaking. So hi, Chris. Thank you for talking to me. Uh, yeah, it's not LinkedIn connections. Right. That's well. That was the first thing I thought when I saw it. So I, I have to start with this because every time I give a talk, I always ask the audience this question, and it's sort of my like stumper for people. And I, I, I say, uh, you know, everybody, raise your hands really quick if you can tell me what you had for breakfast this morning. And you know, most people raise their hands and can do it. And then I say, okay, great. Now do the same thing if you can tell me how many emails you sent last Tuesday. <laughs> And uh, nobody usually can answer that question, and that's sort of I get into you know quantifying and stuff. And I'm not asking you necessarily, but I, I bet you probably have that answer. Yeah, I, by hour and by yeah. and, and, and by type of person. So, what led you to become so quantified and so connected? Um, it started about five years ago. I was. Excuse me, I'm still finishing my breakfast. Um, no problem. Sorry about that. Uh, that's fine. I, I was um, I was looking at the job landscape. Uh, I just turned 40, and I was looking at the job landscape over the next 10 years. And I figured by 2020, a lot of the skills that I had as an IT professional in management, uh, I had traditional SQL back, uh, traditional SQL back, SQL background, and other things just weren't going to be around. I just saw so much automation happening. And just, just the barrier to understand and use technology had just dropped exponentially through at least uh, the, the aughts. And definitely, I think in this decade, we're seeing that barrier drop even lower. Um, so, you know, the few areas I really looked at, you know, you know things like bioinformation, well, I, didn't, I, I couldn't go back to school and become a bioengineer. I wouldn't have the time. Um, uh, but one of the things I found was personal informatics. And I thought personal informatics was really interesting um, from a lot of points of view. But most importantly, I think if you take away all the technology and you take away all the systems that manage the technology, all you're left with is the information in life. Uh, and we see more and more of that. You know, some people even say they suffer from information overload. Um, and if that's true, understanding that information and managing it's going to be a huge, huge job. But more, not technically, but from an interpretive level. But more importantly, for us personally. I mean, we go to our doctors and our doctors, to your to your opening keynote question our doctors don't know what what they saw us for and if they do it's you know that's very minor but we remember how painful it was or why we were there for the last time so how do we harness all that information and get it into our lives and i spent the last five years actually creating systems to kind of route all this hyper personal information including email actually email is one of the easiest ones uh into a repository that i could understand i agree that email is one of the easier ones actually so I, I, forgive me for pointing this out, but in some pictures of, I've seen of you, it looks you, you look like you were a lot heavier before, right? Yeah, so I lost about 110 pounds so far. Uh, right. so what I did was I had about three years worth of data on behavior. So who was I with when I when I ate this? Where was I located when I had a bad night's sleep? What music did I listen to before or after an event that made me feel amazing? 
just lots of information anywhere from my life. You know, days where I spent over $100 on things that weren't for me. Um, oh, wow. So a lot, of, a lot of behavior type information uh, because all of, you know, financial systems and uh, location-based systems, you know, they're all feeding into the same repository. I just started, you know, the first, you know, I'd say 20, maybe 25 pounds were just simply looking at situations that were really bad where my activity was very low or my consumption was very high and saying, what were the conditions around that? Was there anything in common? And it turned out a lot of times there were. It was a lot, a lot of it. A lot of, the first thing I discovered, there were very toxic people who I thought were really wonderful, but they led me to eat or not rest, which actually made me eat worse in really profound ways. Um, and after I, I kind of sorted through the toxic people and limited my exposure to them pre or post any type of consumption, you know, a couple hours before a meal or something, I then just started working on very simple things like, is there a correlation between how I rest and, and when I eat? So to your point, you know, eating breakfast was something I never did. Uh, but I found out I was eating so late in the night and I was getting up in the middle of the night to use the restroom and all these are because I have motion sensor in the, you know, near the toilet. So, you know, when are you going to the toilet, right? It's a very, very simple stuff like that. That's, you know, I don't have to record anything. That's the key is none of this information I manually record. It all just happens seamlessly in the background. So once I got a lot of those things under control, I just engineered some environmental stuff to lose maybe 20 pounds. 20 pounds was enough to make me at least be interested in wanting to get healthier, um, and then I just started doing some life hacks. If I wanted to read Facebook or check out Twitter, I had to be walking. If I wanted a meal that cost under $5 for a single person, I had to walk to it, regardless of what it was. Um, so just you know, doing simple things like geofencing my credit card for food establishments where there were junk food. You know, I couldn't use it there. I had to get cash, which was an extra step. Um, so a lot of like what would seem to be really easy, but kind of, oh, I would have never thought of, comp- you know, geofencing a credit card simple stuff we could do because technology is there and the information is there but providers don't give us any access to it i always tell people if you go to safeway or any grocery store in your area and you say to your grocery store i don't want any more discounts i want you to give me my club corp- club card purchases for the last six months in a spreadsheet and i want to know when i buy fruits and when i buy uh, toilet paper i just want to see the information i want to see what i'm buying they won't give it to you they'll send you a box of receipts right Right. So, okay, you, you, there's like 17 questions I want to ask you, so I'm trying to get these in the right order here. So, okay, one thing is, you know, you said this is all seamless. You're not manually inputting this stuff. And, and I, I have, I constantly make that argument with people that it's like, you don't have to really think about this stuff. You can just, you know, this information is happening to you, so you might as well capture it, quantify it. The one area that I have always had an issue with that, and I'm curious of your solution here, is, is the food tracking aspect. Because, you know, you can have the motion sensor by the toilet, you can have the Fitbit on your belt, but to identify the food that you're eating, you know, if you're not scanning a barcode, which would already suggest it's not that healthy, how are you doing that in, in a seamless fashion? Yeah, well, you know, you need to really build up a food database of things that are good for you. Uh, and then once you have that food database, you can reduce the friction by, you know, simple little life hacks. Like you don't need an elaborate program to do that. You could just use something like uh, yeah, something called Context, which basically is a text-based program where you text a certain code to a phone number and it logs something for you. Um, Zapier and IFTT both have push-based message things. So you literally can just text real quick three or four key words of what you're eating, and it'll actually capture that, and you've already got it tied to the calories and stuff. The hardest part of that, I mean, that's simple. The hardest part is actually building the common food uh, database that you normally eat, because a lot of us go, oh, I don't have that every day. But it's amazing if we actually look at it, if we took time to 
And it was Tim Ferriss that said a few years ago in Four Hour Body, just photograph your food. To me, we do eat the same stuff all the time. Right. Uh, so it's not that hard to do. Um, but, you know, a step beyond that, you know, because I really got interested in the ingredients in the food, not just the calories. So then I started using a, you know, this little program called Lose It. Uh, and Lose It would send me a nice email at the end of the day with all the you know, sugars and fats and starches and stuff. And all I did was have that email then piped in, parsed out, put into a spreadsheet, uh, again, using automation like Ifter Zapier. So. Okay. So now you're the only guest I've ever had who's mentioned Zapier and IFTTT, and those are like my sort of obsessions. I spent like three hours the other night just playing with different recipes that I could do. Uh, how many IFTTT recipes do you have? Yeah. Between Ift and Zapier, I probably have 1,200. Okay, wow. Um, I have about 160, so uh, 1,200. All right. So they fall under life categories, so financial, um, entertainment, uh, health, uh, spiritual. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I've got 10 areas in my life that I monitor uh, at, at any given time, uh, and then those 10 areas have all things like health, but I have food, activity, sleep, etc., blood work. Um, yeah, so what I do is all the recipes then have – the part of my life, you know, knowledge work, you know, how many emails you ask about emails, uh, you know, all, all those scenarios then, and then they fork out into like different things. So creating an Evernote, creating an appointment, those things are all then forked and then categories created. And that way I can get the information into visually into a calendar and then secondarily into a flat file. And then uh, the third way I do it is push things that I want to actually measure and, and kind of do uh, graphs on into spreadsheets. So display it. Save it so I can run it through like something I use Stanford's um, um, uh, deep learning engine uh, for flat files. Uh, large, like, you know, huge flat files of information to get sentiment. And then uh, spreadsheets. Um, so that's why there's so many recipes. So it's, I mean, and, and it's interesting to me too because obviously you can collect all this data. And, and this is something that with me, you know, so I, I use my data over, to overcome Crohn's disease. And I lost a bunch of weight, and I, I mean, I, I sort of saved myself from dying. But I didn't really know what to look for. My feeling was that, you know, I'm not a data scientist. If you collect enough data, <laughs> something might ne- ne- Neither are data scientists. I mean, they have some very fundamental principles, which are just basically the scientific principle. And the most important thing, you know, to do is not tell yourself you can't be a data scientist. You can be. I'm an accountant. Uh, right. the, the first rule of data science is when you think you found something, prove it wrong. Sure. Uh, well, I, I, actually, I think that's a beautiful way of looking at it. And, you know, in my case, I started to see correlations between uh, food and energy levels, of course, and then inflammation markers that I was doing with blood work and, and you know, other things that I could quantify that way. So that's, that's how I started to hit that. But, you know, originally it was just like I have all this. It, for me, it really started with I had been getting blood tests every five weeks for, you know, three years. I had all this data. I was like, let me do something with it. So that's really how it started for me, but I didn't know what correlations I was looking for. So do you, do you have sort of that, that seesaw a little bit where it's like you can collect all the data, you're not necessarily looking for a correlation, and then it sort of comes out? Or, or how do you decide what you're going to test? Yeah, so um, it kind of happened by accident. So I knew I was – you know I was saving everything in these 10 buckets um, you know, of my life. And then uh, for me, understanding uh, kind of next – I needed to visualize it, right? So, and I had no way of, you know, I, I knew I could collect it and say, okay, these are all the health things and these are all the financial things and these are all the entertainment things, like what you watch last night, what you eat last night, and how'd you feel about it. Uh, but I had no way of seeing it. So it was really when I started putting it into a calendar, at least I could 
you know, then look at a day and see a day's worth of activity. It's almost like a Facebook timeline, but like on, you know, steroids of, you know, like everything that could have possibly happened in a day. There's pictures of my calendars all over the Internet. Um, uh, But really it wasn't until I color coded it and made those 10 areas tied into different colors. So, you know, work, anything that had to do with actually just, you know, getting getting paid was red. Right. And all the subsystems within that health was green. Right. So. I did this really simple just color coding on it. And then I just go into my Google Calendar and just say, are there blotches in the day that are like heat maps for, for collected information? Remember, because any touch would, would be good. And then there were, I'd say, okay, you know, that's interesting. You know, now let's see days where there, those blotches aren't there. Now, are there anything that happened, you know, on or around that time? So for me, it was about the visualization of the data. It really, really made it easy for me to start to look for, I don't want to say problems, but at least understand the relationship to the patterns of activity I had in my life. I think after that, it really got into what you're talking about a bit more. And that was, uh, you know, because everybody's, well, a lot of people think that I spent all this time looking at information and I don't. I just don't. That would, that would take a lot of time. Yeah. Um, so what I do is if I think I have a problem, um, you know, and I have I have friends and, 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 and peers and family that tell you that you know they've seen this in action. I'll go searching for, you know, like Scooby Doo, right? I'll go looking for, okay, what was it? You know? Sometimes it's just as simple as I had a bad day. I mean, there is no data point. There's nothing you can you're not gonna find anything, you just kinda have to accept that. But sometimes you can actually find real tangible sources. I mean, spending more than you should on something that you don't need is once in a time, once in a while is okay. But like getting, you know, and then once you can actually route alerts, you know, like you're you've got this much left, you know, you spent this much at this location, you know, through something like glass or pebble or something crazy like that, you start to get like feedback loops. Feedback loops are very, very powerful because you just set up little routines in your life that say, this is really important to me. We all have a feedback loop for sleep. We all go, gosh, I didn't sleep good enough. Oh, my gosh, I only got six hours of sleep. But we don't actually look at the bigger picture. Well, maybe six hours of sleep is enough for you, and actually beating yourself up over six hours is not the healthiest thing. Right. So, you know, audio, right? Right now I'm at about, hold on, let me look. I'm at 74 and a half decibels right now when I'm speaking to you. Well, if I spend, if I sustain 75 or 76 decibels for more than 30 seconds, I actually get feedback, you know, from a little light that lights up, right? So it's just about low friction reintroducing myself to my casual connection to everything around me. Huh, okay. Well, so then that actually sort of leads to my, my next question is, if you wake up with a sore throat, for instance, mm-hmm. you know, what, what do you do? <clears throat> Gosh, Other I, than having like you know a glass of water, <laughs> uh, the first thing I do is dread. I like I'm not going to have the flu because I'm one of these people that you know I'm I'm always dying. Uh, so <laughs> you know I've got no problem admitting that now. You know it's like man flu or whatever they they took on to call it. Um, <clears throat> no, I mean you know there are some things biologically that you know I, I I don't try to figure out. Colds and flus are one of them. I mean uh, my body is you know interesting like everybody else's body, but I also understand there's a lot I will never understand about it. Doctors haven't solved the cold yet. So I actually take things random like colds or sore floats. It's kind of a clue that, okay, there's something wrong in the system, and the best thing I can do is rest. Yeah. Um, a lot of times if I've been traveling a lot or I'm just really stressed out and I can't sleep, you know, I used to really just lay in bed and f- stress about it. And now you know, I just kind of just understand from a purely data point of view, just because my mind is racing doesn't mean my body doesn't need some rest. And you just force yourself to lay there. Uh, and you just, you know, that's where a little bit of mindfulness comes in and you kind of do a body scan or something like that. So, you know, 
I think the one takeaway that a lot of people miss when they read about, you know, the Chris Dancy, most world's most connected man kind of silliness that people say about me is that it really was just a casual reintroduction to a body and a mind that I had so sorely neglected for so many years. Yeah. So that, and it, okay. So, and I really appreciate that because what I, what I tend to talk about with people in my work a lot is that there's this loss of self-awareness. You know, there's all this stuff that's going on and people are just, and that's sort of the illustration of that, that, you know, what, cause every now and then when I say, what'd you have for breakfast this morning? There's a couple people in the audience who don't raise their hands and they, they have to really think about it. Um, so that's bad. You know, that's really bad. And if you don't know that, you know, Tuesdays are your worst day for whatever reason that is, or that if you don't sleep well, then you're probably going to, you know, drive like an idiot and you're going to have a fight with your boss. Like it, it, that, that self-awareness is something that's so powerful and it does come back to something very basic, which is that mindfulness and, mm-hmm. you know, breathing and just sort of being aware of things. So it's really, I think it's really wonderful to hear, you know, someone, and I'm sorry to keep using this, but the, you know, most connected man to, to say that you, it's good to just sort of check in with your body sometimes. That's great. Yeah. But, you know, journalists don't like to write about that. Right. Well, well, I like that. I mean, and, and that's the thing is I've tracked so much of my life and I don't right now use anything on a daily basis. You know, I have a basis watch, which I'll use sometimes when I'm doing things. I've tested a lot of things for people. I don't do sleep tracking. I don't, you know, I don't do that stuff anymore because I, I feel like I'm I'm aware. You know, I just I don't need I don't need the quantification specifically for that. When I want to deal with a problem, I'll look at that stuff and. And I and and whatnot, but yeah, and you know that's that's something else. Is I, I did sleep tracking for a while, and then I stopped. So uh, and then I started again once I got a low friction routine. So if I can find a really low friction routine for sleep collection, I'll do it. So like I hate wearing stuff to bed, but you know something like the bed it wraps around your mattress, right? Yeah. So you don't have to wear anything; you just sleep normally. You know, really low friction feedback things are very powerful ways that you don't have to like think about it, and it just it's there for you. Uh, but you certainly don't have to collect everything to your point. Uh, I, I just, you know, I, I have, I really like being able to Google search my life. And if your information's in a Google calendar, you literally can Google search your life. And right. that's pretty cool. So what about, uh, internal biologics, you know, so blood testing, DNA. Yeah. yeah. So that's actually, it's the second way I kind of got started with all those. So the first thing was like just collecting my behavior, like online, like, sending emails and posting things online. But the second thing I did was, you know, and a lot of this is out on my slide share. I, you know, if anyone uses SlideShare, I keep all my presentations out there. Um, but I went to my doctor. Uh, who, he's a nice guy's name. You know, I don't want to say his name, but um, he's getting up there in his years. I've seen him for 20 years. But he just, he forgets. And I've got a chart like this thick and I've got his companion chart this thick. And so I went to him four and a half years ago and got copies of my medical records. And um, he handed them all to me. And then I had them scanned. And then I paid someone on Mechanical Turk. You know, you know, I was really exposing myself, but I didn't care. I needed it to actually transcribe every single medical record I have and then to take every single blood result I have and put it in a spreadsheet. Yeah. Um, and to this day, you know, I still, if I do see Dr. Alfred, I get my results sent to me and they go into this walking medical record I have myself. So I didn't have a chronic disease um, uh, like you mentioned earlier, but I did have this just yearning to understand. I mean, so often I would go to see him and say, well, you know, I read it online and he'd get the kind of flustered look on his face. But it's a whole other level of thing when you go, well, my blood results are this kind of these levels every year at this time. Um, well, how did you know that? Because I have 20 years of them here in a spreadsheet, which I can see them on my, which I can see them on my phone. You know, and, and those are very simple things um, that we can do to kind of take care of it. Unfortunately – in the United States, and I don't know about the rest of the world, we wait until you're chronically ill 
yeah. or you're terminally ill, and then we become quantified selfers. Yeah. But until then, it's this freakish technological utopian thing that people with lots of money or OCD do. And that's just not true. You don't have OCD and you're not this technological guru when you have cancer. You're concerned about making it to the next day. If you've got a, a chronic disease, you're not worried about, you know, being the world's most connected person. You're worried about not affecting your family and your life. But we don't, you know, we don't label it that then. And I don't think doing it when you're healthy makes you any more pathological or, or fetish-like than, than doing it when you're sick. And I think we really need to stop this kind of technology hurting us routine. Yeah, and so that's really funny that you put it that way, actually, because I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm obviously sort of a special case like you as well. But the, the I just did a test that I, I, I haven't done before, which was uh, adrenal stress, and it's uh, you, you know spit in a vial four times a day. And what people don't realize is that you know when your cortisol is very high, you actually feel really good, and you're all you know you're amped up and you're energetic and ready to go. But that doesn't mean that that's a good thing, you know. But nobody is going to get tested when they're feeling good. So I'm, you know, I am. I'm testing my my cortisol right now just because it's it, you know it's interesting. But it's you're absolutely right. You know, people wait till something's broken. They don't they don't want to take the preventative measures, and a lot of times they don't realize how small those preventative measures can be. Right, and I always talk to tell people your body is like a vehicle. So you know, building uh, building a routine or at least an awareness is just putting a dashboard in it. It's not it's not narcissistic, right. and you wouldn't put a dashboard in your car or empty it just like all of a sudden it was like oh my gosh i'm empty all of a sudden but that's how we live our lives and i think if we just took a little bit of time to say you know you know i'm not going to wait till the check engine light comes on i know it's about this many miles and i know how i've been driving awareness you don't you know the check engine light never comes on uh and when it does all the work you did with being kind to yourself and the processes you've created help you manage through it you know, so much of our life we just leave, you know, in, in the doctor's office or we leave when we say, well, it was a smart, healthy food choice. And, you know, it's no, it's a smart, healthy moment by moment decision. Uh, and that's up to you. OK, so what do you think? And of course, I know this depends on the person a little bit. But what do you think is like the most important, important metric for or actually better way to put it? Someone who's just starting with this, like, you know. I don't, I don't usually recommend people get the Fitbit or things like that. I think those are, you know, there, there's some information there, but a lot of times they get it, they don't look at it. What do you think is a really important metric for people to kind of start with? Um, toxic people. Um, so, you know, you know, my, um, I have a friend who I've known for about 18 years, um, and he was having a problem last year with some people. Uh, he, he was getting really stressed out at work. So I just started asking him, would you just keep track of who you go to lunch with? And he said, why? I said, I just, just write down who you go to lunch with every day. He goes, well, it's, you know, it's sometimes some people, sometimes other. But, but long story short, after about three months of doing this, he found out this is a person named Jim. Every time he had lunch with Jim, he was exponentially had a worse day that afternoon or the next day. And it turned out upon asking other people, Jim was kind of this low friction, almost this radioactive. You didn't see it, but it was affecting everybody type of thing. So understanding toxic relationships and not being afraid to get rid of them is probably the most important thing. Uh, a lot of my friends and family will attest to you. I have no problems just removing people from my life. Um, and sometimes it's hard because you don't want to do it. But, you know, if, if you want to track something, every time you feel a little bit of stress, just write down who you, who, who you remember being with within the last three hours. And do that in a spreadsheet for a couple weeks. And just see if there's any patterns. That's, you know, so that's really interesting. No one's ever ever suggested that i think that that's a, a great one how do you do you still do that kind of that particular quantification 
Yeah. So, uh, except mine's really, really kind of crazy. So when I meet people, like I usually try to get people in my calendar, uh, and then, uh, I'll actually, uh, zap in with a reading. Um, so I actually know when I meet someone, how I felt during that interaction. Uh, if it's someone new or kind of kind of be casual, temporary, I don't, ma- I don't bother measuring them. But the second time I meet people, I try to get as many readings as I can. Uh, cause beyond just physically not liking someone, which sometimes happens, it's just the way it works. When you meet someone, you have a weird energy with them, but you can get through that if you get to know them. But sometimes there's just the stuff you don't see. Like I said, it's like uh, radiation. You just don't see it, but it's affecting you. Um, and understanding and, and identifying those people, human relationships at the core are the only thing we really have in life. You know, if we're living, even if we're sick, we, you know, the relationships we have in our life, are the only thing we have left, just because it looks good doesn't mean it is. <laughs> I love that. I, I know. It, and, but okay. So I, I'm also just, this is me geeking out, but can you tell me specifically the process that you go through to quantify when you meet someone? So you're using the body fit. Is that to, yeah, I use the body media. I use, I use heart rate in my posture. So in your uh, posture, how are you measuring posture? Uh, something called Lumoback. The Lumoback, yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, so I, I'm actually waiting for my Lumo. It's a, it's a small Lumo one. Just, to go right yeah, there. that's that's a nice one. So interesting. So you think so? What you get like more erect or something? Your posture changes if you meet someone that you don't like, or no? Uh, I, I'm, I'm more slouchy uh, huh. with, with with people that you know. I act, people who are engaging me actually kind of do this uh, kind of. I don't know. I, I sit, I sit and stand better. Um, uh, my heart rate's a little bit higher and my actual physical when I'm, when I'm slightly bothered, these are things I would have, they were imperceptible before. Um, but again, just, you know, and a lot of times I'll meet people, you know, and they'll know about this and they'll say, Hey, I've met you twice now. Can you send me, you know, who I was to you? And I'm like, sure. <laughs> um, you know, so often we'll meet someone and we'll read, or, you know, we'll read about them online and we'll look at their Facebook or we'll look at their LinkedIn or something, but that is not who they are. Right. So, you know, you've got soft data, which is what you do online. You've got hard data, which is like your physical reaction to things. And you've got core data. You know, those are things like 23andMe, Exogen, uh, Ubiome, you know, all these types of hard data inside you information, uh, blood results, you know, anything you can do that's like really deep inside you. So I think core data, hard data and soft data. If you look at it as a hierarchy of relationship, um, now this is really geeking out, sorry. No, uh, please, bring it. <laughs> it really starts to make a lot of sense. Um, you know, there's a company, like I just mentioned them, Exogen, that does this um, DNA uh, breakage. Your DNA breaks every, you know, every day. Um, but a lot of times, you know, and it's a consumer service, so they'll actually, they'll, they'll, they'll test your, uh, your DNA break, breakage, you know, over six months. You don't have to pay them every time they do it. But it's kind of a great kind of like, oh, wow, you know, I just – I'm in a relationship or, hey, I, I, I want to try a supplement or I want to do that or I want to start, you know, a very mild exercise program or I want to go to bed five minutes earlier each night. You know, it's really interesting to then see at a genetic level, did anything actually change? Did you have less breakage? You know, that's like really kind of hardcore stuff. And, you know, I don't know how far along on there are rolling out, but I know uh, they were on Kickstarter or something. I don't no, know. Indiegogo. Yeah, so I actually met them and started with them back last year when I was at Singularity University, and there's pictures of me on the web getting my, you know, my, my blood drawn from them and stuff like that. So I'm a, I'm a big fan of what they're doing. I think it's going to be really a big breakthrough for QS and for healthy people and unhealthy people alike. Uh, and and do you do mood tracking? Because that's one that I've never been able to really wrap my head around. Yeah. So mood is, um, yeah. So I do mood, but mood is really different for me because I think. 
in so many ways, we I tried to log Mood, uh, and I still do. You know, I'll still use something simple like Mood Panda. The problem with Mood is Mood is the mood you try, the mood you log is always actually the mood that you are um, you are about to enter. So uh-huh. it's it's never the mood you're in. And then uh, for me to actually get kind of my hand hand around the mood I was in, I actually had to look at, um, gosh, uh, like these four areas of my life that that really were could be backward determinators. So there's the biological factors, there's environmental factors, there's temporal factors, and then there's contextual factors. So biological ones would be all the things you can normally measure or could measure. Environmental factors would be everything from ambient light, ambient sound, temperature, humidity, etc. Uh, temporal factors um, would be what day of the week is it? Is, is, there, is there a holiday? What season are you in? What time of day? When did the sun rise? When did the sun... And can, you know, this kind of uh, contextual factors would be, are there other types Types of zeitgeist events or other things going on? Are, are you are you out of a job? Are you are you in a relationship? Those types of things. Uh, you know the feeds, and there's you know you know just 17 feeds from from biological and 11 feeds from environmental. But all of those kind of go into one spot that actually create a mood. So you can figure out mood. It just you have to figure out your mood yesterday or five minutes ago. You can't figure out your mood right now. Right. There's that time shift. Yeah. And I, that's the thing is I always had trouble with it. It's like I, I, that was one issue. And the other one was it, it was very hard for me to just straight up quantify it. It's like, am I happier than I was? Like, am I, ten, you know, am I one notch happier than I was an hour ago? Or like, I'm not really sure, you know. So that was something that I never found to be very uh, useful for me. Because well, I was obviously doing it the wrong way. Do it backwards. What, you know, because then you're like, well, why would you care if it's backwards? Well, at least then you can use it as an, an indicator. <laughs> Right. Or other things, but you know, so often we, you know, because we're trying to do mood in real time, you can't. So, uh, but you know, you have to be kind of really dedicated to uh, the craft, as it were, uh, yes. to 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 really be into this. And you know, it's not for everybody. You know, I, I sometimes say we're living in a data elysium because you know, to get the data out of most of these systems, you know, Fitbit's a perfect example. It's not easy. You know, but I always tell people, if you really want your data out of these systems, there's one life hack. And I don't think I've said this to any reporter and I've met with millions or not millions, but a lot of reporters the last few years. There's one life hack that I've never shared with anybody. But if you want your data out of any system that won't want, you know, just has like an expensive paid plan, you don't want to pay for it or there's just no way to export it. Almost every system will have a share feature, share to Facebook or share to Twitter. So just what I do is I share I set up fake Twitter accounts that are private and I turn on auto share for every single system. So the minute I touch it, it auto writes the information out to Twitter. You can grab, you can scrape Twitter really easy. Oh yeah. So uh, it's really interesting how you know they just won't give us our information. But you know, it's I think J.P. Barlow said you know the internet when it finds censorship, the internet routes around it. You know when you want your information, you will route around any system to get it. Yeah, awesome. So what are you looking forward to being able to track in the future? Blood sugar. <laughs> so I, I want real time blood sugar. I mean, I, I, I certainly, you know, I, you know, I feel bad. I, I spent some time with Scott Hanselman from Microsoft on a, on a plane going to South by Southwest and he's a diabetic and showed me his pump. And, you know, I had no idea because I'm not diabetic. Although my father and I have a history of it in my family, uh, I had no idea how much they'd been through di- people, diabetics just with, you know, the history of the, the, the advancements in, in, diabetes management it's really slow when you look at how fast we're moving with things like a fitbit right it's like where is why isn't that being uh, addressed um but one of the things i thought was really interesting were some of the advancements around real-time blood blood sugar tracking 
Uh, right now, that is too high friction for me to. I've played with it, I've done it, but that's too high friction uh, for for anything I can tangibly have time to do with those results. Yeah. I think that's a good one because there's a lot that you can do with that data, both short term and long term. So, uh, you know, like, for instance, there was an article a couple of weeks ago. They did this study on different relationships, uh, um, like married people and how low blood sugar can really affect the happiness of the relationship in general. Because, you know, if, if someone has like a hypoglycemic attack, basically, and then they just get aggravated and fight and it happens like at the same time every day, it, it sort of becomes like a chronic interpersonal condition. So <laughs> I, I haven't read that article, but I've, I'm, I'm seeing someone and I make sure that person's always fed. Nice. Uh, Very nice. And, and it's really funny because a lot of times I think, you know, this person wonders why is, why is Chris always feeding me? Uh, and feeding me lots, but and and at very specific times. Um, but there is there's there's this blood sugar bump that happens with people, um, you know. And it's sometimes it's like I said, it's imperceptible. You don't realize you're even going through it. But just being aware uh, that, that being aware that you're aware helps you be aware of others. The biggest problem with that is when you're that aware of yourself, you watch other people and you're just like, oh my gosh, I feel so alone because you just have no idea you're even in the room. Yeah, this is starting to feel like a support group for me now. This is kind of amazing. Um, all right, so I want to be respectful of your time. I have one question I'd like to ask at the end of this is what are your top three tips for being more effective, you know, from anything that you've ever learned and, and done or whatever, but just three things that, that make you more effective? Uh, uh, probably in order of least important, the most important was uh, probably get rest. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if you don't think you need it, then take time to rest, take time to not move. I don't care if your mind's going a million miles a minute. Take time to be still. Um, the second thing is get used to impermanence. Uh, get used to getting rid of and cutting systems, uh, whether they're organic or biological or, or, or digital, out of your life. Um, just cut them right out. Um, it, people struggle so much with the perception of change coming that it's actually the perception of what's coming, the change that's coming, worse than the actual loss of something. Um, so get used to change. And, and I use the word impermanence because of uh, some mindfulness that I do. But get used to practicing change. Put you, I, I, I sometimes do something called uh, a loving kindness fight club where you know, like, I'll just put myself in situations where people are freaking out just to, just to practice. Because we don't get practice freak, not freaking out until we're in a, a moment where we're about to freak out. Right. So go to grocery stores right before a storm. Go out in the traffic at, at, you know, at rush hour. You know, practice not freaking out. And I guess the last thing is just be kind to yourself. If you have a thought that, you know, you're not good enough, say to yourself, well, that's an interesting thought that I'm not good enough. If you ever thought to yourself that I don't know how I'm going to make next month's mortgage, say, you know, I, that's that's a thought and that's a very real thought. And I've got a lot of friends and family and I'm not going to sit here and, and, and let that thought consume me. Thoughts are – they're not us. They're just – they're, they're chemical reactions that are happening because of what we didn't eat or, or how someone treated us a long time ago. Us opting into those thoughts and allowing them to actually become the GPS for our behavior is where we fall into problems. And if you do allow your thought to become the GPS for your behavior, be kind to that. Say, oh, look at that. I'm letting my thought drive me now. Oh, look at that. I just was so mean to that person. I, I, look, that's – you know. Just be kind to that process. If you can spend two seconds just being nice to something you think is like, why do I have to do this? You, you don't have to, and, and that's okay, and we're all doing it. Oh, wow, Chris, those are, those are very profound, and thank you very much. And uh, So, Chris, where's the best place for people to find out more about you and, and follow you and everything? <laughs> 
Uh, um, well, gosh, my website's just chrisdainty.com. That's just a bunch of media stuff because uh, reporters like to ask me silly questions. Not as good as your questions. So maybe they would. Maybe the best place to find my information is on your website. But um, uh, I'm also on Twitter. I've got a personal handle, at Chris Dancy, uh, where I just kind of tweet like everyone else when, you know, my food and Instagram selfies. And then uh, things I think that are technologically just really profound, um, it's at Service Sphere, which is uh, the word service and then S-P-H-E-R-E, like sphere. Um, and, and that's kind of where I, I kind of, you know, things I think they're really important for people to pay attention to, you know, like yesterday there was a, some drone news I thought was really interesting. Um, and that's about it. And then I always encourage people, your questions, please email me. Um, I answer emails all the time. Uh, or I even tell people you can call me. I'm, I'm really easy to find my phone numbers all over the internet. Uh, I like the phone. My mom loved the phone. She'd sit there with the phone pressed to her neck, smoking a cigarette, ironing in the seventies and, uh, (laughs) Uh, yeah, I, I still I still want to be my mom, so call me. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, Chris, thank you again so much. I, I really appreciate it. That was, a, that was a lot of fun for me. Thank you so much. Be well.